what happens when we die? Is that the end of our thoughts, our consciousness, or does the soul live on to be born again as someone else? Well, there's a form of therapy that taps into these questions to help explain unexpected phobias, deja vu moments, as well as heal from trauma. This is Mysteries of Life, and I'm Tiffany Meyer. Today, we're exploring the topic of reincarnation as seen through modern science. Over 25% of Americans believe in reincarnation. That's according to findings by investigative reporter Michael Schmicker in his book, Best Evidence. Not only that, but over 25% of Christians believe in reincarnation. That's according to data released in 2021 by the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life, polling over 6,000 respondents. An interest in this topic is an exclusive to religious adherents. American and European therapists have been studying reincarnation for decades, which has led to the development of past life therapy. That movement started in the 1950s with the famous case of Virginia Teague. In 1952, Maury Bernstein hypnotized Virginia, who then assumed the personality of Bridie Murphy, a 19th century Irish woman. During the hypnosis, she gave precise details of life in 19th century Ireland and even spoke with a thick Irish accent. That's despite Virginia being from the state of Colorado and never having been to Ireland. Since then, the practice has only gained traction. By the 70s and 80s, it had developed into a therapy to help cure fears or phobias that seem to have no explanation. Feelings of guilt, shame, and self-consciousness with no known cause, as well as recurring relationship challenges. To find out more about how this works, we spoke to Carol Bowman, a past life therapist who's done thousands of sessions since the 1980s. She's also the author of Children's Past Lives and Return from Heaven, which have been translated into 22 languages around the world. As for how Carol started on this journey, it began with her own healing experience years ago. I had some experiences when I was young that made me realize that something within us doesn't die, but I didn't really know what to do with that information. And I had um, chronic lung problems in my mid-30s, and I was getting visions of what appeared to be another lifetime, which I couldn't understand. And shortly after that, I found that there was a hypnotherapist who did something called past life therapy. I didn't know what it was, but I thought maybe I'll try this to see if I can get some relief from these lung problems, which had not responded well to medical treatment. So after one two-hour session, I saw two lives in which I died with trauma to the lungs, and they were very emotional experiences. And to my amazement, my lungs cleared up after that one session. So um, my medical doctor was very surprised, and he wanted to try regression too. So I invited a hypnotherapist, whose name was Norman Ng, um, to my home in Asheville to work with a number of my friends who were very interested in this. And this is back in 87. But as for how she started looking into children's cases, let's go back in time to when her son Chase was five. Around that time, we noticed that my son was terrified of loud booming sounds. 
and I couldn't understand what in his short life would create such a, a phobia. And um, I mentioned it to Norman, the hypnotherapist, when he was visiting us, thinking maybe he could give Chase, my son, some kind of post-hypnotic suggestion so the next time he was exposed to these loud booming sounds, he wouldn't be terrified. And I had no idea what was going to happen when we, when Chase agreed that he wanted to do something about his fear. So um, Norman said to Chase, sit on your mom's lap. He was five years old at the time, so he fit on my lap. Sit on your mom's lap, close your eyes, and tell me what you see when you hear the loud sounds that frighten you. And I could see his eyelids fluttering, and he started describing something quite outside his range of experience. He said, I'm crouching behind a rock. I have a dirty uniform and I have a long gun with a sword at the end. And I was shocked. I think I went into a mild state of shock at that point, uh, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, and he went on to say he didn't know what he was doing in battle. It, there was smoke everywhere. He didn't even know who he was shooting at. And he said, I miss my wife and family. That was the moment that I, it was an electric moment for me. You know, everything changed. I really think I was in shock. And um, Norman, who was very experienced in past life therapy, knew that Chase was accessing a past life memory at this point because he was describing things in battle and he described how he was shot in his right wrist. They took him out of battle. And he, they, he said, they take me to this place. It's not like a regular hospital. He said, they're just a tent with, with a bench, like a bed. And they put him on this bench bed. And they bandaged his wrist and told him he had to go back into battle. He said, I don't want to go. You know, there are other people. They're, they're killing people. I don't want to kill other people. And Norman explained to in very simple language a five-year-old can understand. He said, we live very many different lifetimes on Earth. In some lives, we play different roles, and sometimes we are soldiers, and being a soldier, sometimes you have to kill others in battle, and sometimes you are killed, but there's no blame. And I could feel Chase's body relaxing on my lap when Norman said that. I could, something changed, something shifted. Then, you know, a couple minutes later, he just jumped off my lap, grabbed a cookie, and went to play with his Legos. Um, and I was thinking, what, you know, what just happened? What just hit me? And, you know, he, he seems fine. Um, and Besides the violence and setting, Carol says that her son could recall his skin color. Chase, who's a redhead and white, said he was black in that past life. Carol says that unlike adults, children can forget past life memories. I wanted to show you these drawings. Ooh. I think Chase was about eight when he did these because he said he was forgetting uh, what happened and he wanted to remember this. So he drew what he remembered seeing, this horse pulling a cannon on a wagon with big wooden wheels. And this was really interesting. He 
drew a very detailed map of the battlefield from a perspective above when he after he said he died he was looking down at the battlefield and uh, it's quite detailed he had very clear visual memories of this and this is where he said he was shot in his wrist um, and he drew what he called a hospital and it's just poles with some covering on top and a bench oh my gosh <laughs> and someone's an historian sent us a photo of field hospitals from the american civil war and they're poles with material on top with pretty much wooden benches so you know there was some accuracy there and here he's doing this almost in comic book form <laughs> about 20 feet. How did he know it was 20 feet? A friend was helping him off the battlefield, showed where he was shot, and it showed that there was some elevation in the site, in the battlefield. Because of her own experience with past life regression and the healing that followed, Carol was open to her son's past life memory. And she says that her son had experienced similar results as her own. And my daughter, who was nine at the time, Sarah, was sitting with us. We were doing this around the kitchen table. And she said, Mom, that place where Chase said he was shot on his wrist, that's where he has his eczema. And since Chase had been a baby, around nine months old, he had this chronic severe eczema on his wrist, which had not responded to medical treatment. And um, within Two or three days after this probably 15-minute recollection of Chase's, his eczema cleared up completely and his phobia went away. And he was just about to turn six. And in fact, he asked for a drumlet for his sixth birthday so he could make loud booming sounds all the time. So after the experience and my own experience healing, after physical healing and emotional healing, after doing a regression, um, I was shocked that it worked so well with a five-year-old. And I was wondering, do other kids have these memories too? It was so close to the surface. And um, I started asking other parents in the community and, and some parents said, yeah, yeah, my daughter mentioned that she was a mother and she died in a flood and all her children died and she was crying about it. And I was just finding a lot of small stories like Chase's where the children remembered living before and they remembered their deaths, usually traumatic deaths. So that was the beginning of my research and that was about 33 years ago. And I've been collecting cases and counseling parents ever since on how to help their own children if they start talking spontaneously about a past life memory. Carol says she puts her patients in a light state of trance while they recline on a chair, couch, or bed. Then she asks them to focus on a particular charged thought or feeling, which acts as a bridge to relevant past life memories. By exposing their past 
past lives, she helps patients overcome those charged feelings, leave the past behind, and move on with their lives. In her past life research, Carol has drawn upon works by Brian Weiss and Ian Stevenson. Stevenson founded the Division of Perceptual Studies in 1967 to study cases of claimed reincarnation using scientific methodology to investigate cases. He had about, I think, about 900 cases that were verified by the time of his death in the late aughts. I think he died in 2008. Um, but he didn't want to go into the healing aspects of these memories. And I was finding that that was happening with some of the cases in which I counseled the parents on how to talk the child through the past life trauma. So I realized, because I had that experience and Chase had that experience, we were familiar with that, and the potential was there, so I decided that's where my focus needed to be, to educate parents about these memories, to identify them, but also how to talk them through that process. So if they had troubling memories from the past, and not all children do. Some children have very positive, benign memories, but they're less likely to be credited to being past life memories. You know, oh, that's interesting. That's a nice story that they're telling. But when a child starts talking about the death, I think that alerts the parents that there's something more going on here. So there are ways to talk the child through that traumatic death so they can let go. And that's the point, that they can heal emotionally, physically, and let go of the past and don't need to hold onto that lifetime or trauma. Using the work of Stevenson and others as a body of work to back up past life therapy, she started her own practice, tapping into the healing aspects. Over a dozen testimonials on her website show how past life regression has changed their lives for the better. And a large part of her work is with children. And how do you talk to parents who might be skeptical or afraid it might hurt their kid to go through this type of regression? Well, they don't go through regression. The parents help them process it just by talking them through. There's nothing, no hypnosis, nothing. It's just talking to the child as the memory's coming up. Um, what they need to know is that sometimes the child just has to talk it through and just be a good listener and ask them how they feel, what happens to them, and just go along with them, guide them through the story. Um, and children, different children respond differently to these techniques, but I've found that in some cases a child can have an instantaneous healing of past life issues by just talking it through for a few minutes. In some cases, it's more complicated, and I get into that in the books. Because there are things you can say, you can ask them, you know, going through the death, how did you die? And then what happened to you? And some kids report being in this afterlife state, as my kids did, where they were still conscious, but they were a little bit removed from the situation. And a lot of kids will say, oh, and then I came back, and I'm... I'm now in a new body, you know, and they're very delighted to know that. It's one of the things that parents can tell their child that, you know, that was before, you're now safe, or give them whatever assurances they need 
and you're safe in a new body. And that comes as a big surprise to some of these kids because they're still on this continuum of consciousness where they don't know the difference between something that happened in their prior life. Uh, they perceive it as something that just happened to them. They're still on this time continuum when they're young. So you have to help them realize that they have moved on. And it's very simple. You use very simple language, and it can work wonders. I think in your Children's Past Lives book, you talk about your own kids and how they were acting out different lifetimes throughout. So can you tell us about that part? My children remembered several lifetimes in which they were together before, and it was interesting because there were some common themes. And they, it seemed like they were battling over inheritance in different ways. Um, where if they were female, they were cut out of the inheritance. If they were male, they were reinstated as the heir to whatever they had, the land or the money, the riches. It was really interesting that they had this dynamic between them that finally resolved um, when they talked about it together and they had a little bit of a cry together. So it was very emotional for them to realize that, but they also are very close now and have been. You know, it's not the usual sibling rivalry as it once was when they were little. There were some things that came up, as do with, often with kids. But they had something they needed to work out with each other, and they had a chance to do it when they were young. And that's unusual. You know, I had two kids who could remember, but I think that was all planned out for me because this is my life's work. Um, but it can happen that siblings, both siblings, can have past life memories and they can recognize each other. And as I got more deeply into the research, I was getting these cases of parents who were calling me saying, okay, you probably, this might sound weird, but I think my father has been reborn as my daughter, or my brother who died in a car accident is back as my son. Um, and I found that this is very common, and Dr. Stevenson talked a lot about same, we call them same family cases. And uh, I was getting so many cases that I wrote a book just on that phenomenon, and some of the cases. Well, the belief in reincarnation is strong in the Eastern world, it has also had a notable presence in the West. Back in ancient Greece, one of Plato's dialogues called Phaedo, also known as On the Soul, has Socrates arguing that we have knowledge we couldn't have obtained in just one life, and that learning is a process of remembering things from previous lifetimes. Pythagoras, the philosopher credited with developing the Pythagorean theorem, also believed in reincarnation including reincarnation into animals. A famous fragment of Xenophanes, a contemporary of Pythagoras, gives an account of the philosopher's view. Xenophanes said, once when Pythagoras was present at the beating of a puppy, he pitied it and said, stop, don't keep hitting him, since it is the soul of a man who is dear to me, which I recognized when I heard it yelping. But certain aspects of the current Western culture, be they scientific religious have acted as blockades for this field of study. Despite that, Carol says more and more people are waking up to the idea of reincarnation. 
and more and more people are discovering this. They're now Facebook pages and my website that's uh, the reincarnation forum that's been going since 1997. And there are a lot of cases out there. And for anyone who's open-minded, uh, the evidence is in the cases. You know, if, uh, give me another explanation that fits. It, that's as good as reincarnation. There's something about consciousness surviving death and even more than that, that this consciousness carries some kind of memory or coding or a template that informs our present lives. How can being open to the idea of reincarnation help us? Carol notes the healing aspect, but also says reincarnation can help us understand others and build up one's empathy. I think that being open to this concept of reincarnation or having experiences oneself makes you realize that we've all been male, female, different cultures, different skin color, different religions. And I think it's more difficult to be prejudiced once we realize that. And I think it can make us more compassionate. You know, if we remember having been a slave or dying because of one's religion or the, all the other injustices in the world. I think this is helpful to realize this isn't the only shot we have. You know, this is just one life of many. And we're here to do specific things in each lifetime, you know, if we're lucky enough to figure that out. So I think it can be very helpful to have this context for other lifetimes. Will it change humanity? I hope so, but who knows? I don't know. You know, that's such a big question, and everything is so polarized now. Um, but I think there's hope in this belief, and there's a sense of if we need to atone for anything, we have an opportunity. If we die conflicted, we can come back and make things right or finish. So I think it's a very hopeful seeing things. And over the years, more and more scholars have studied reincarnation, with their findings becoming increasingly difficult for skeptics to dismiss. Does the soul live on? More and more people seem to think so. And to many, it's a way of understanding life's mysteries. What happens when we die? Why do some people seem more familiar to us than others? Why are some people so talented at a young age? The concepts of karma people talk about suddenly make sense to many when viewed in light of reincarnation. For some, the idea of reincarnation helps them heal and move on in this life. They're able to move on from the PTSD they carried over this life. They're able to have closure through past life therapy. And for others, it's a chance to live this life, not through the lens of fear, fear of death, but rather through a lens of hope, knowing that the soul lives on, that it's been here before, and that what happens in this life is building on past experiences. It was a pleasure having you with us. I'm Tiffany Meyer, and we hope to see you next time on Mysteries of Life.